Mishnah cases. Um, so the um, the case at hand. Let's see. Um, we um, we had a, a, a contradiction, which was what happens if a person married a woman uh, and uh, he, uh, when they got engaged, he said, I just can't take these women that have all kinds of promises. That's the whole life I'm going to be dealing with. They commit themselves to things and we're stuck. And uh, therefore, that's the condition that I get married. There's no promises. No, you know, no, can't deal with a woman who has, has these nadorim. So she agrees. And then, uh, surprise, when he gets married, he, uh, she says, well, why don't you put up on your makeup? Oh, I swore I'm never going to do that again. <laughs> well, uh, what are we going to have on the menu? Oh, no more meat for me. <laughs> you know? And so he said, wait a second. You know, we just had the wedding. I, that was the deal, was no vows. So she says, all right, I'll, I'll take care of that. And she goes to the rabbi, she goes to Basden, and she gets all her vows removed. So are they taken care of or not? Um, and the similar case was, he said, you know, I, you know, I have this thing that I don't like uh, blemishes. I just don't like finding out my wife is missing a leg or something like that, you know, or whatever, whatever the blemish is. Uh, there's certain things that bother me, you know. It's, uh, uh, so, and then she goes to the doctor after they're married. I can take care of that, you know. The doctor can fix whatever, grow it back. I don't know, whatever it is. Uh, so the question is, if they fix the problem, is it good or not? So uh, we said that it, uh, at the end of the day, she broke the deal. She didn't come into the marriage like she was supposed to. Whereas with the vow, we said there was a view that she's okay because the vow retroactively, she might have committed to something, but if she had the escape hatch, retroactively she's never committed to it. But then we had another opinion who said that even with the escape hatch, uh, even the fact that she goes and gets rid of the vow... Uh, they are not married. Why? Uh, because a person doesn't want his wife to go and step in front of the court. He never envisioned that. That apparently it's just, uh, it's, uh, everybody's going to talk about me. Oh, that's your wife in Basin? You know, people would be waiting in line. Everybody would go to Basin. To, people want to learn Torah. So you go to Basin to learn the halacha. You know, like the, if we were in Dafyomi, we'd stop by the basin and see what they're talking about today, what kind of cases. Oh, look, so-and-so's wife is there. Oh, you know, oh, she said, like, uh, so, like, people just, uh, that's something that they, um, the more says it in a funny way. It says, right in the middle of the page, a person wants his wife to be embarrassed in front of basin, but it means that a person doesn't mind. He's like, right, you want to go to basin, go to basin, it doesn't bother me. Whereas Relozer says, no, ain't on him Ratzibazishme. So um, so the Gemara wants to know what's the source of this debate. Where do you find this debate? Uh, so Mahi, right in the middle of the page. Tanan. Hamotzias Ishtu Mishum Neder. All right. So before we were talking about where a person made it clear before they got married, what happens if uh, it, he married her and then after marriage, that's when he finds out. Oh, your wife signed for the credit card. Your wife said she'll do this. Your wife said to do that. So he decides to get divorced. Uh, now, can he? Uh, we talked about before that there is an idea that um, we tend to work on marriages before they get divorced. 
But in those days, sometimes people got divorced, and then they worked on coming back to their taking their ex back. You could you could remarry the ex. That was uh, sometimes uh, they say there are a lot of jokes about that. The second marriage ain't so bad. Like meaning that people are less picky once they've already been married and divorced. The second time they they have different. Um, sometimes that was a route to go. So the question is, can if he the first time around she was making too many. Um, Making too many uh, vows. I think somebody left the uh, the sound on. She's making too many vows. If I can mute them, maybe it works. It's Steve. Steve, oh. could you turn your sound uh, mute yourself, please? <laughs> I muted myself. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that 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 wasn't a good idea. Okay. Okay. So, uh, any rate. So what happens if a person uh, divorced his wife because she kept on making promises and now he wants to take her back? It's a mitzvah to remarry one's ex, I suppose, if people want more punishment, right? Or whatever. <laughs> the, uh, uh, but, uh, uh, but if they want it, but... So the question is, in that case, we don't let them take, take them back. Why? So it, because what could happen is that... Um, you know, he, got, he, he found that she had too many promises, too many commitments that he couldn't deal with. So when she was, uh, after she got divorced, they said to her, well, you got, so she went to the rabbi and she got her commitments removed. And then she remarries and he sees that her new husband, she's doing all the stuff that with him she could never do. God, that's my wife wearing the, she never, all I wanted was a piece of jewelry, you know, it's like Rebbe Kiva, all the, you know, his father, all I wanted was a son-in-law that learned the Mishnah, something. You know, then I wouldn't have made the vow. So here he sees that this wife, who he divorced because she just, she had this promise, no more jewelry, or no more, no, we never eat meat. And there she's eating meat and have, wearing jewelry. And so she says, oh, well, she went to a rabbi who took care of that for her. She went to the doctor who got her healed from all, and he said, if I had known that, I would have never given the divorce. Well, guess what? That creates a problem in the divorce. Because... When somebody says, I gave the divorce under false pretenses, I gave the divorce because I couldn't deal with those commitments, I had no idea that you can uh, go to a rabbi and get rid of those commitments. And then the problem is that potentially her, um, uh, she's not divorced, but then she's living with a man who's not her husband, and her kids are illegitimate, and she can't go back to her old husband, she can't go back to her new husband. It would be terrible. So what we do is, we tell a man, if you divorce a wife because of vows, you have to realize we're not going to let you take her back. It's uh, no backsies on this one. If you're going to do it, do it because this is it. You're never going to give this one another chance. Because, it's because the specific reason that you're giving is a reason that sometimes comes off. So uh, we don't want you to cast aspersions on the divorce. And so therefore, if a person specifically says, my wife made that one promise that I can't deal with, so therefore I'm dumping her. Lo yaksa, we won't let her take her back. Mishum shemra. What happens if he says there are rumors that she was doing all kinds of stuff? Also lo yaksa, what happens? He later on he's going to find out the rumors weren't true, and he said I would have never divorced her had I known that she the rumors weren't true. Rabbi Yehuda says kol So that's those are two opinions. Now we have other opinions. Rabbi Yehuda says it depends on what kind of vows. What what are we afraid of? that he didn't like the vow that she had that maybe she'll take off and then he'll regret having given the divorce. So Rabbi Yudha says, well, it really depends on the vow. There's some vows that you can never take off. 
Those are vows that were made publicly. Uh, and that has to do with the, uh, the laws of vows. If it was a vow that was done uh, that was done uh, in public, um, then there's no way to nullify it. So uh, in such a case, um, uh, he, he can't... Um, on the other hand, if it's not known uh, in public, then he could take her back. Let's see the Rashi on this. She made the promise in front of ten. You can't take her back. You know, sometimes people make a silent promise or a quiet promise, but if they're making a promise in front of the whole shul, <laughs> in front of ten people, the uh, And when you make a promise like that, you can't get rid of it, like it says in Gittin, uh, When somebody's making promises in front of the whole world, then they, there's no way to, like, say, well, you know, somebody made a silent promise to one or two people, then the courts might be willing to take it off. But if publicly everybody knew that you made this commitment and you want to take off, uh, we won't let you. That doesn't work for politicians. <laughs> right, that's true. Lo Yerubi, right. Reb Meir says a different uh, thing. He says, "Cold neder should chachum." If it's something, you could go to Beisden and take off, and it it could come off later. So then we say, "Don't take her back." We won't let you take her back because you might regret giving the divorce, and then you'll cast aspersions. So you should know no backsies on this. But if it's not the kind of vow, anyways, that you can go to a sage, yaksir, then you, you could take her back. Omer Abelazer, he says, since there's some vows you could and some you can't, we would forbid one for the other. How, how does the idea that you can't take her back stop the makshav of, oh, if I would have seen that, uh, that she actually was mafer, then I never would have given her the because he, he Because he, now he's being told that this is going to be it, that it's not going to be something you can rethink. You have to be really sure you're going to do this no matter what, because there's no backs, there's no... But later on, you can always have that makshav, even if she marries somebody else. If she marries him, it's not a problem, because then the, the, the get was never hal, and so she was still married from the first time around. If yeah. she marries somebody else, it is a problem. There is a Rashi, if you look in the middle, about six lines up, um... Actually, the words are great. He says, I feel innocently maya mana. If people had given me a million dollars, I would have never divorced her if I would have known that she had this problem. No wonder it was awarded best ice cream. Let me see what I can Rabbi, that's Steve. I can't get his attention to turn off his volume. I'm seeing if there's a way for me to do it. Host controls. Host controls. Turn off their microphones. Yeah. Okay. But I'm sorry, Richard. I'll, I'll try to turn it on in the end if you have a question. Yeah, Richard, Maybe you could wave and I'll try to... Richard, <laughs> Richard, say. Richard, you can always unmute yourself, even when you... When you oh, he said you can unmute yourself if you need to. Okay. So back to the mark. So, Megarshka. So, uh, again, the wording is, is, is great. The husband says, if someone give me a... I would have never divorced her had I known. Lafika, therefore, this is addressing Dr. Yafi's thing, at least according to... Therefore, we say to him, you should know that we won't give you another chance. We won't allow you to remarry your ex in this case. This divorce is permanent. If you really like her, don't do this quick. Um, and if later on 
um, he wants to mess up the divorce, we won't believe him. Because he knew that this was never going to get another chance. And he didn't check into it. In other words, we told him, if you give this divorce, you should know that we're not going to let you take her back. And so if there's any possibility that you could work this out or she could take care of the vow... Um, right. so, even, so, so I guess the idea is, is that even if you have Haratha uh, later, it doesn't wrote. matter. The get is a get because we told you so. We told you so, right. right. Something like that, yeah. yeah that's I a good Gemara. So. Right, okay. Anyways, back to the Gemara. So where do you see this reason of Reb Yehuda that... Um, uh, one second. Where do you see... Who was Rabbi Huda? Um, Rabbi Huda was the one who said that uh, if it was a public vow, that she made it in front of a lot of people. Um, that well, where do you see the concept that something made in public, in front of a lot of people, we don't nullify deceive? As we turn to today's page, well, he could be a Yisrael kinishvlan. So there's a famous story that uh, it's actually um, a similar story in this week's parsha with Moshe Rabbeinu. But uh, there, uh, we the nations that lived in Eretz Yisrael. Um, were not uh, we were not permitted um, the uh, to make a covenant with only the far off nation not not some of the seven <coughs> nations but the Givonim pretended they were a far off nation and uh, we even swore that we wouldn't harm them that we would accept them as converts and then we found out they tricked us so uh, since the, they tricked us and they lied to us why wasn't it okay to uh, 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 to teach them a lesson. But the answer is that uh, even though in theory we were allowed, Yoshua set a precedent that when somebody makes a commitment, we don't go back on our word. We swore. And so even though we had good reason, we could say that we didn't mean to swear, and had we known, we wouldn't have sworn, Yeshua said the precedent is you give your words, no excuses, keep your word. <laughs> you swore, you, that's it. So that's what the positive of He come b'nei swore. We didn't hit them. He knew, you know why? We gave our word. Even though we didn't mean to give our word, and they lied to us, and they fooled us, and they and uh, but we gave our word. Uh, what's considered in front of a lot of people? So Rav Nachman he says three because it says Shlosha Yamim Mishnayim and Rabim Shlosha is three. Yitzchak says ten. Eidaksibu and a minion is always a lot of people. That's okay. Rav Meir says Kol He said. If the vow, you need to go to court, then he doesn't take her back. What's the, what's the argument over here about what kind of vows he can take a wife back? Again, the more is talking with a sense of humor. A man wants his wife to go public. He just means that he doesn't mind. A man doesn't care if his <laughs> wife goes to Basin, whatever you need to do. It's understand that getting divorced because he doesn't want... Uh, it's less embarrassing to get a divorce than it is to have a wife who would go to court and take off the... But it, even though divorce is, uh, is embarrassing, but it doesn't mean like that. It means that in general, when he said he doesn't want vows, he meant, he didn't mean to have vows that there's a way to take off because he didn't consider that a good option, to go to court and have his business aired publicly. Rava has a different answer, a total different answer. He says, Hacha isha chashuva uh, why doesn't he, um, he says over here, we're talking about um, uh, a fancy woman, and uh, even if she takes uh, a, a vow, um, so why can't he just get divorced 
if he doesn't, uh, if she makes the vow? So the answer is, she's from a well-known family, the Omer Lal and he could say, I don't want to get divorced, the Itzibakrovaseha. I wanted to marry somebody from that family. And if he can't, if he has to divorce her, then he can't marry any of her relatives. And so he, it's not a good, he doesn't want to have a wife that he marries and then gets divorced because of vows, even if you could take off the vow, uh, or even if you could get divorced, because um, uh, that's not a good solution, because then he'll never be able to marry somebody in that family. In, in the small towns in those days, there would just be a few families, and certain people decided they want to marry into that family. So if the first woman that you married wasn't the right one, but then you'd never be, get another choice, even if you get divorced. Let's see Rashi. Even if you say she can go to court, so the real point some people say is not that you couldn't get out of a vow, is that you don't want a woman who's constantly so angry that she's making these commitments. Even if she's, oh, I'm sorry, it's a certain personality that's always doing things they regret. And so I can't handle a wife like that. So then, so then why can't you just give her a divorce? Forget, I didn't even want to get marry a woman and if she didn't work out to give a get, it's her be'ima. Now I can't marry her mother. Now I can't marry her sister. I, I didn't even want, in other words, the, it can't be that they're married and get a divorce. I didn't want to enter a marriage where I knew I would get one chance to marry into this family. And um, now that, you know, so divorce isn't a good, I, w- I never agreed to that either. Okay. That's not something the more considered, that a person, you know, is worried already that I, it's going to take one, and if this one doesn't work, I, I would have never agreed to take the one because I, I need to marry into that family. Okay, the more says, if that's the case, look at the next part. If she goes to the rabbi and takes care of it, she goes to the doctor and takes care of it, uh, uh, that it works. Uh, why don't we learn this case? that it doesn't work, that we're talking about a fancy person, um, that uh, she can say she wanted to marry into that family, and uh, she doesn't want to have to be divorced, because then she can't... Um, over there, it's dealing with... It. it works both ways. She doesn't want to marry a man um, who has too many vows either, or who has a blemish. So, but... Uh, why can't he take care of it? Well, she doesn't want to marry someone and get divorced because then that's her only chance. If this for her works, why don't we say it both ways uh, to the woman also that she, her married... Again, the question is when somebody got married, why don't we just have them give a divorce? Uh, uh, why do we say that, uh, that we uproot the entire marriage and say they never agreed to such a thing? Because we're nervous that... We're very nervous to say that they never would have gotten married, that they... That, that at no point did they really mean to get married if they had known about these vows or they'd known about this blemish. We're reluctant to somebody that proposed and had a wedding to just turn around and say, okay, they're not married, right? So we don't like to do that. So um, why, uh, uh, so, uh, but we said that you have to do that in a case where a person said that they would have wanted to marry another person in that family. Because if you say, well, give them a divorce anyways, what does it hurt? It hurts that you can't marry a member of that family. So the Gemara wants to know, why don't we say the same Svara with her, that she wouldn't want to marry a man and uh, get divorced because uh, then she can't marry a member of his family. Women don't think like that, he said. The Omer Reish Lakish, I'm sorry, I skipped a line. 
Ihi, a woman, He says that women, uh, they don't look at uh, men. Sometimes they focus. If this one doesn't work out, then there's the next one. If I can't marry this family member, I want to marry another family member. Uh, the marriage is a little more disposable with some men than it is for some women. Women, once they, t- they have a person, most of the time, <laughs> they just are happy to be married. Where do you find such a spora that this happens with, uh, with women? And uh, um, it, it's true, again, there's always exceptions to every rule, but in many, many cases, there are, are women that put up with bad marriages, and they just, uh, it's, um, that's because of this spora, because <laughs> women sometimes are happy even with uh, any man, as long as he's a man. He wears pants, whatever, he's a man. Nikolay, Kedereish Lakish. That's it. Uh, like Reish Lakish said, Dom Reish Lakish, Tov Lamesiv Tandu, a woman would rather be two people, Lamesiv Abba, than to be alone. It's a position in society, it's security, as long as she could say she's married. Abaye has a different way of expressing. Deshum Shemi Gavre, if your husband's a shrimp, Kursu Be Karta, so bend down to him, Ramile. In other words, they deal with it if the husband has, has issues. Um, there, uh, actually, let's see the rice. Chum if your husband's a shrimp. Mushal hedges, so people say, Misha bala cotton canil, if your husband is small as an ant. So, uh, but still, kursa be karta ramya. Kise benasaris benoschorin moshva klomer gamli bal kamoschum. Basically, she can say she's married. She can sit with the other married woman. I, her husband's a shrimp. It doesn't matter. She's, as far as she is, she's married just like all the other women are married. And so it's the, it's the part of being married. Repap Omar de Nifsa Gavra, if the husband is a, um, uh, uh, if her husband um, is uh, small or, or little, Tikra Basifi, she, uh, even though um, she'll still, she's, Still, will sit next to him, even if the husband is lacking. Ravashi says the kolsa gavra. The what about if the husband is from a bad family? Uh, yeah, meaning that he's from a, a family of uh, there's you know it doesn't sometimes it, to be married into such a family is not uh, is not good. So a man, let's say, if it was the other way around, he discovered that the wife's family was that family that you would never want to be married into. He might get divorced. A woman puts up with it. The Kosa Gavar, Loboy Tafala Kadeira. Wouldn't she uh, still, um, uh, the, uh, she won't even ask him uh, for help with supper. Meaning that women, there are many women that'll put up with anything. They'll put up with lazy husbands, they'll put up with ugly husbands, they'll put up with bad in laws, uh, as long as they can be married. That's the way the common expression went in those days in Bubble. Uh, but then, so you might think all is good. So then the Gemara says, but actually it's not so good. The Kulam is honest. Uh, all of those women who have husbands that are really not what they bargained for, uh, they will fool around. I, if they get pregnant, the Tolam of they'll say the child came from their husband. So it could be they'll stay in a marriage that they really shouldn't, but um, it's a... Uh, um, yeah, that's the old milkman. That's right. Um, or the Amazon man today. <laughs> they, uh, they, there is a Rashi. Yeah. Uh, the Kulatoma, uh, 
Mesnus, all of them fool around of a time they say they're a husband. Call Elushabalem Shvelim. All these people whose husbands are lowlifes. Umar Lahem Khiva. Oh, and they pretend that they love them and they're wonderful. Ainu Elishimazanos Takteyam. So if they have needs, they fool around underneath their husbands. I, if you fool around, so aren't they going to get pregnant? They'll just say, they'll say, oh, it's their husband's child. And they'll put up with husbands that are not much because um, they, uh, they can always get it elsewhere. Uh, so, uh, but at any rate, I, I don't know. We had this Gemara before. We quoted it once before. There's, there's definitely something hidden in that Gemara. When, why the Gemara gives like three examples of what people put up with and uh, it, it, it almost sounds like it's changing. One seems to say that women don't need much once they're married, they're married. And the other seems to say, well, they do need much. If they're married, somebody they can't take, it, it, uh, they'll fool around on them. They won't be loyal to them. Okay. Anyways. It's also interesting, you have the concept that a, that a husband may not want his wife in Besden, yet by his dosage, the husband that brings the wife to Besden. Yeah, it could be he doesn't have, have a choice, or does he? That's a discussion in Sota. Right. If a man suspects his wife, is, can he just ignore it uh, and say he doesn't want to take her to Basedin? Uh-oh. Richard, okay. Richard, let me see if I can... Post management. Okay. Whoops. Uh-oh. Did I lose him? Yeah. Can you hear me now? Yeah. Okay, before, when you when you muted us, you took away the opportunity to unmute ourselves. Okay. Oh, I did? I, I'm sorry. <laughs> so what, what, uh, what I didn't understand was, this goes back a little bit, I'm sorry. Yeah. What, what is the problem with the woman going to the basin? They said that he would be embarrassed or there would be a problem right, yeah. to go. And she's just talking to the judges. It's not a public thing. Yeah, that's embarrassing. Man. We were just talking about that. What, what was, were you going to explain that, Dr. Yaffe? Or? Uh, no, I wasn't going to. No, I was, yeah, you see a woman in Besden, maybe she's a Saita, you know? <laughs> oh, all right. So he was saying that by Sota, you're actually taking the woman to Besden. And so we're saying if a husband doesn't want his wife. So I was saying that maybe, uh, uh, how do you learn Sota? Is he required if he's, uh, to take his wife to Besden? Um, I think he is. Uh, but um, so I, 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 the way I was learning was that it's his laundries in public, that the whole world is in Besden. And they're going to say, oh, you're having trouble with the wife. Oh, that's interesting. And your wife likes to, uh, uh, you know, you know the, your wife likes to get your back by making promises. Oh, that's so interesting. You know? so, but a person doesn't want his, um, that whole process. And then the basin's going to ask his wife questions and she might cry and she didn't really mean it. And the whole thing can uh, just not be very comfortable. Um, What's interesting? So is, your understanding, is your understanding then that when a person goes to Basin, there's like a whole audience there? I kind of thought you go to Basin, there are three judges, just them and you, and you go on from there. So yeah, it was my understanding. There could be a whole audience there. Yeah, that mm-hmm. uh, you'll have all those. It, it's almost like a teaching hospital, you know, Havdo, where yeah. you have all the doctors around the patient. You'll have all the Tamina Chachamim, everybody, all the yeshiva students will be there mm-hmm. wanting to say, well, oh, what, did, what did his wife say? <laughs> you know, I want to learn, you know. That, uh, so that's what, I, that's what I thought maybe as well, that uh, going so in front of... Maybe the machlokas between the two of them is that one has the opinion that the Beistin is you just described, and the other one thinks that the Beistin was more private. Could be, 
could be. What's interesting today is that um, you'll hear this in Eretz Yisrael. Eretz Yisrael, they have real Batei Dinim, and uh, the women say that they feel embarrassed in Basin, and they've created like a whole women's advocates, attorneys that go with them to the Batei Dinim to give them support and help them not feel embarrassed. And it, it's, it always sounds strange to me, like, what's the big, I, I, happy, you know, wouldn't the person be happy to go to front of sages and, you know, a Basin? But, but we see that people feel uncomfortable in front of a Basin, and so they need... Uh, uh, yeah, okay. I, I hear. That's a good point, though. Okay, back to the mark. So then we get to the blemishes. So what are these blemishes that people get divorced because they didn't know about? So Taniyu Sifaleim. So we, first of all, we said that those are blemishes uh, that are mentioned that a person who's a Kohen can't do the Avoda because <coughs> people will get sidetracked from the Avoda because they'll be looking at that funny-looking Kohen. So we added a few to the list. Uh, number one, Zaya, a woman who uh, perspires unusual amount. Um, it's, uh, I guess there's a smell that goes with that. Rashi says, Zoya Tamid, constantly. Constant sweater. So some men can't deal with that. Uh, Vishuma. And uh, also, Rashi says, Verua. Uh, I think it means uh, blemishes. Uh, and Vereya bad breath. Bad breath can be very difficult. If you're, if you're close to a person and they have bad breath and you can't take care of it, then that's a problem. Aren't these a problem with Kohanim also? But to none. If they're elderly, if they're sick, if they're stinky. Uh, and so these include, you know, perspiring too much can be like uh, uh, stinky. Or um, isn't that similar also to the bad breath? So, but to none, whether they're permanent or even temporary. So, Omar of Yosef, we could have so there's two kinds of sweat. There's temporary sweat, and then there's sweat that is not temporary. Or the sweating is temporary. Summertime, you know, if it's not summertime, it's not so bad. Ravashi says, there's a difference between sweat and stinky. But the Kohanim, there is, you can use antiperspirant. What was the antiperspirant? You can use a little wine essence. Uh, that's called. Uh, you can. Uh, uh, you could. You, you could mask it. Yeah. panami and bad breath also. Then not could pull pull pull. You just put a put a jalapeno in your mouth and you won't have the bad breath. That's right. So But a wife, she can't do this all the time, uh, to walk around with the uh, something in her mouth. So What kind of mole is it? Eid is If it's with hair. So apparently a mole with hair is a bigger problem. Uh, maybe it's more unsightly. I don't know exactly. But if there's no hair, is it big, is it small? In both cases, it would be a problem. If there's a tiny mole, it wouldn't be a problem. So why is it a problem uh, with a divorce, but not a problem with a kohen? If it's got the hair in it, if it's not no hair, gadol, if it's really big, then it's a blemish. Katana, if it's not so big, ain't What's big? It's the size of a coin, Italian coin. Katana, smaller than that coin, ain't zemum. What's big? I think I've seen pictures of this Isri Talki. I don't know if it's more like a quarter or a penny. I think it's more like a quarter. 
He says it depends on where the mole is. If it's on her forehead, <laughs> it's hard to ignore. You know, somebody has a mole, and unusual. If it's on the forehead, uh, he says if it's on the forehead, and he, he, she had this mole before they were married. So he, he knew about it, and he was comfortable with it. So It was in, it was under her kippah. It was under her, her hair. <coughs> so it wasn't so visible. Sometimes you see it, sometimes you don't. And so it's possible he didn't know it was there. You could cover it by combing your hair over it. You wouldn't notice it so much. So later on he knows. I heard this from a great person. What happens if she gets a dog bite and the place where the dog bit her, they don't go to the plastic surgeon and it turns into tilachas. It turns into a... Uh, a scar. That's a blemish. What happens if she has a funny voice? A deep voice. That's a blemish. Women have, not, have, have... Part of their attraction is they have voices that uh, are appealing to men. It's a certain soft, easy voice. It's, it's hard to get angry at voices like that. Whereas if they have a, like a, a man's voice, that could be a problem. With a woman who has a deep men's voice, so other people learn that there's a blemish if their breasts are too close together. Uh, so he thought if it's the size of a fist in between, that that's a good thing. You know, it's not a good thing if they're too close. How big? Almost three fingers is the normal. The question is if they're, if they're too far from each other. It's, it's better if they're close to each other or if they're too far from each other, then it stands out. If hers are bigger than... It's very funny today is women have surgery to make themselves have bigger today. Because I'll consider that a blemish. It makes her look like a cow. It's a mum. If, it's, if, there, if, there, if there's a big size in between, a fist in between, do women have such big, uh, uh, big breasts, big space in between? I once saw an Arab woman that she threw her breasts behind her and she nursed a child who was behind her. So it, it must be pretty big to do that, I suppose. Okay. Uh, but that would be a blemish. Okay. Yeah. Um, so now the more deals with it differently. Is there a difference if she was born that way or if it came about later? So it's a Pasuk. He says whether it's there or whether it, it comes out in the future. There it's referring to um, uh, the, the, uh, uh, the end of the exile, whether um, the... Uh, we talked about this concept of the future. If something happens, or it's a similar tense in that pasuk. Um, rabbi, <coughs> uh, he made a. It was the same rabbi, a totally different concept, discussing the Jews and the Israelis and the Babylonians. He said one Israeli is like two of us. <coughs> but if the Babylonians, if we go there, then we're bigger than them. In other words, the Israelis are bigger than us, but if we move to Israel, then we're bigger than, than the Israelis. Like the, uh, so, 
when Rabbi Yirmiyah was over here, he was lo havi yoda my kamarabbanu. He he didn't really understand the rabbis. He he wasn't considered of the highest intellect. But when he got over there, he he used to say, "Oh, those Bavloi, those Bavloi Tishoy, those foolish Babylonians." When he was in Bavel, he was from the weaker ones. When he went to Israel, all of a sudden he was like greater than these silly Babylonians. Uh, uh, but yeah. On on Mumim, do you have to have do you have to ask the woman, "Do you have any?" Or are these all these Mumim that we mentioned? Even if they don't discuss it, if she has it, then he can get out of the marriage. I think it depends on whether they be visible or not. In other words, ones that would be visible, we assume he noticed it. Um, the Gemara's question was about something by the hairline, which can be hidden. And so there, he, he, it should have been disclosed. So In other I, words, she, she's got to disclose them, but she <coughs> doesn't have to ask if she has them before he gets correct, married. Correct, correct, correct. Unless it's... Um, all right, so, uh, but there, is, there does seem to be some things that, which are considered in the realm of normal, which maybe they don't have to disclose, but if she has something that's unusual, then apparently it needs to be disclosed. Okay, new Mishnah. Uh, let's say um, she has these blemishes, and he didn't take her yet. She's still in her father's house. The father says, well, she didn't have them when she was engaged, she got bit by the dog after she was engaged. It's your tough luck. So, um, uh, and it's called, it's like you have a field and the field got washed away. Let's say she got married and then the husband says, well, you got blemishes. And she says, that happened after I got married to you. So then he has to bring a proof. In other words, what happens is, uh, there's a, the woman clearly has a blemish now. The question is, did she have the blemish and didn't disclose it, and therefore he has the right to, to, to get divorced, or, or it's as if it was a mechaktos? Or no, did the blemish come after she was engaged or after she married him? Elohim mechaktos. Then it would, uh, if she had it before, the, 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 uh, before they got engaged, then it would be a mechaktos. That's true if they are hidden blemishes. If everybody could have seen them, he can't say, uh, when did this happen? What about if there's a bathhouse in that city? Even if they're hidden blemishes, he can't get divorced and say, didn't know. He would have his female relatives uh, go to the bathhouse and check it out. Uh, and so he can't say, I didn't know. If he had the ability to check it out, uh, either because they were public or the people bathed in public and they, there's ways to check that out, uh, then he can't have that complaint. Let's see the Gemara time. The reason is the father brings a proof it happened later. Hello, Maisi. If the father wouldn't bring a proof, then we'd believe the husband. Uh, the question here is who has to prove it? In other words, this woman currently has a dog bite that makes her unsightly. So does the husband have to prove that she didn't have that bite when he got engaged, or does the father have to prove that it came that when they got engaged, she uh, who has who's the burden of proof on? 
So we seem to say the father has the burden of proof, and if he doesn't bring it, you believe the husband. Who is that? That's Rishua. Don't Loma Piwanukhaim. But then look later on. Once she's married, the husband has to bring the proof. It's because he brings the proof that he can get divorced. Hello, Then the father would be believed. That's like the other opinion. We believe him. So who, who is, who's given the automatic belief? Is it the father or is it the husband? Amar Lazar, you're right. These are two different opinions. Misha Shanazu, Lo Shanazu. Amar Rav Lotem, Rabbi Yeshua, Lo Azabakazaka de Gufa Klau. Don't say Rabbi Yeshua doesn't go with the assumption that the body at one time, um, it was, she wasn't born that way. When doesn't he follow the assumption that the body was healthy to begin with? Where you're trying to make him pay. The, the issue is whether he has to pay the alimony or not. He claims she had the blemish. He would have never married her. She didn't disclose it. So does he have to pay or not? So in order to make him pay, you, you have to bring a... It may be we assume that it wasn't there, so he has to prove that it was. But when you try to take away a person's money, you have to bring proof. If you wouldn't be trying to take away a person's money, then uh, you, it wouldn't be different. Yeshua says, We follow the body of Tanya. Where do you see that we go with the assumption that something was the way we knew it to be until now? It says like this, what happens, there's different blemishes that uh, uh, indicate the person has a, a tzaras, a, uh, has a uh, sickness. It says, if the beheris kodum l'ser lavan, if he has the, um, the, the red blemish before the, uh, the hair, so before the, uh, the white hair, tame. Whereas if the, if the white hair came first, it's tahar. So it depends on what came first, was the, uh, the, the order of the disease. So if you're not sure, one view is tame. Rishua says if you're not sure, keha. What does keha mean? So there seems to be a debate about what do we assume with the blemish. Rava says, Reisha kan nimsa kan If we see it now, we assume it was there before. Why don't we say if we see it was there now, we assume it's before. We're trying to take a discussion by the halachas of a blemish and bring them back to the discussions of a blemish with a woman. If you see the blemish here now, can you assume it was there before? Or do we say, no, she wasn't born with it, we have to assume it came later. Um, again, we're dealing with a woman that developed a big, uh, developed some kind of growth. And the husband says, well, if he had known that it was there, he wouldn't have married her. And she says, well, it happened after I got engaged. Well, do we say, uh, who, has, who, who has the burden of proof? Does she have or does he have? So we're saying there's two opinions. Once she gets married, then the husband has to bring the proof. He has to prove that it wasn't there when he got engaged. in. Uh, if he can prove before they got engaged. But if it happened after they got engaged, then, um, uh, then he would be stuck. Why don't we say if it's there later, it was probably there before. We, once, uh, before they got engaged, we can say a rule, a person doesn't drink from a cup unless he checks it out first. You look at a cup before you swallow. So he also, if he got engaged, we assume he looked, checked her out before he got engaged. Vahayro, uh, and obviously he accepted it. So Morris said, Yachi, actually, Taurus Nami. 
So even if she got the blemish beforehand, normally if a person knew that she had uh, this kind of thing sticking out, he wouldn't have, uh, a person wouldn't accept it. What we're dealing with now is that there's multiple, uh, there's, there's different logics to, uh, can we assume that he saw it and he accepted it? Or can we assume if he saw it, he would have never accepted it? What are we assuming over here? There's two kazakas. Number one, emid gufa kazaka. First of all, we assume that she wasn't born with it. And then on the other hand, we have the assumption that he wouldn't have drank unless he checked it. The high run is pious. And he must have seen it and accepted it. What are you going to say, kazaka enam is pious, that people don't typically accept such a thing? So, it's two thoughts in the place of one. So uh, right now we're dealing with like different uh, different debates about what can we assume here? Can we assume she had the blemish and he agreed to it? Can we assume that nobody would have agreed to it? Do we assume if there's a growth that was probably there before and we just didn't notice it? Or is there no such thing as not noticing it? What do we basically when we don't know what assumptions can we make? How can we predict what the deal was? Okay, we will stop here. Have a